Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Fight Diggy, Tribe Core Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Absol. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. This is show that you come up on, yeah. This is spot that you come up strong. What's going on? Welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Bauman, and today I'm talking to one of my favorite interviewees, possibly... My favorite of anyone. John River is always candid, always thoughtful, and always entertaining. And it is my pleasure to present to you this latest conversation. What do you do when you reach the point of no return? That's where John River finds himself right now, and that's what you get from listening to the storm. I hope you have listened. If not, make sure you do. I caught up with John River to talk about how not taking risks is the greatest risk of all, and why this is his moment of truth. Take a listen. There's a list two years ago, yeah. 13 rappers from Mississauga. Your name is not on this list. What does that spark in you? Fuck whoever wrote that shit. You know what I mean? Like, like fuck that shit. Like, I read that that day. Somebody sent it to me. And look, okay, I'm going to be honest, okay? I'm, I'm going to be super honest, okay? Well, I think what we have to look at is, like, two things, okay? First of all, like, I don't think, like, oh, my God, like, I need to be on every list or all that kind of, like, or I, like, if I'm not on the list, the list is right. Like, I, I, my head isn't that far up my ass, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that, like, oh, if I'm not on the list, blah, 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 case may be, this guy's shit or this guy's stuff. But, like, first it was, like, I, you named, you, they named, like, 40-something rappers, and she said, then you named 30, listen, if you're gonna name, like, top five rappers in Mississauga, and I'm not on it, I might be like, oh, okay, cool, but, like, Rich Kid's been doing his thing. Yeah, like, you know, J.D. Arrow's been doing his thing. Even Devin been doing his thing. Redway been doing his thing. You know what I mean? Um, there are people who have been doing their thing. So there's been lists with Mississauga rappers and stuff like that. that I'm not, or even Toronto rappers or top uh, Rich Kid, Sunreal, Canadian rappers, all that kind of stuff. There's a whole bunch of lists that, like, I'm not on which, like, if I'm not on it, it's nobody else's fault but mine. Like, I just got to go and be that dude. You know what I mean? So all of those I'm completely, like, fine and understanding with. And if you're not on it, it's just your fault as an artist. It's not not anybody else's fault. Just like if you were Drake, obviously you'd be on it because he's that big. So you just haven't done enough. You know that's the way I take it. When if I'm not on something, I don't take it on the writer or like the article or the newspaper or don't get upset or angry. It just means like I just need to work harder. And then like I'm sure you know as you work harder, I'm sure you know you'll you'll start ending up on some of those. And but this was like very specifically. 13 rappers in Mississauga. I don't even know. Can you count 13 rappers in Mississauga without saying... I don't even know if you can count 13 Mississauga rappers in general. So for me, I was like, all right, let's say you named every Mississauga rapper that came to mind. Maybe eight. For you to go another five and not even have me at, like, nine, you know what I mean? Like, that was like... I was like, okay, LOL, right? So the same blog or whatever didn't post Hope City 2, you know? The whole thing, it got nominated for Hip Hop Video of the Year, I'm 20, you know? So, it, you didn't get an article, but they didn't even, everybody else except for them who, with the same editor, you know? So, it was one list or thing, you know what I mean? Like, that's one thing. But it's been three years, like, not a thing, I did a TED Talk, nothing, you know? It's just hard for me to take those people, like, even really seriously. And I know that because Jazz Cardi and I spoke about the same thing, but Jazz Cardi was talking about, like, times were like, he sees a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't have his name on it. He's like, well, he doesn't say anything because, you know, very politically correct guy, you know, 
Uh, I think we are the same lineage of thought, but it's just like we see a whole bunch of stuff that like sometimes I think I'm places where I don't deserve to be and sometimes I think I'm not places where I do deserve to be. But that specific was like, got to save the list, <laughs> got to print it out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Got to have it in your room. You got to look at it and just remind yourself like, all right, they said this, 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 this guy and this guy was better than me. All right, all right, we'll see. You know what I mean? Like, all right, we'll see. As like Michael, like Michael, like Kobe too. Kobe look at like all the players that got drafted above him. Just like I, right. and it's nothing individual with those players. It's just like, all right, this is who you guys, you guys passed on me. I, right. I will see. Yeah, I mean, you passed on me. Okay, I, right. I. Right. And uh, by the time you get to recording, like it's time to fucking eat and it's time to kill. And you don't even say shit. You just let the rap speak for itself. I always say, like, I'm the last person who needed motivation, but people will just give it to you anyway. You know what I mean? I didn't need it, but thank you. I appreciate it. You know what I mean? I appreciate it. You tweeted one time talking about how this moment, when you reach a certain point, you either become that guy or you're going to forever be known as a failure. Yes. What is that place like? Oh, man. Uh, it's kind of dope because, like, you look at, like, where you came from and you're just like, all right, I'm here now. I'm in the thick of it. Like, I'm knee-deep. There's no place to go. You either fail or you succeed. Because now, you know, a lot of people said John Rivers is supposed to be the next big thing out of, like, out of this country. You know what I mean? Um, and, and one of the next best rappers in the world. You want that. Because when I didn't have it, I was like, that's supposed to be mine. Like, I want that spot. So now you got that spot. You know what I mean? Um, Tyler Ennis is a close friend of mine. You know what I mean? That's like family. And he's a little bit in that position as well. Andrew Wiggins is like a good friend of mine as well. And he's in that spot right now too. So for me, it's like I'm now at a point where you're touted to be that guy. And you want, you want the responsibility and you want the expectation. But now you have to live up to it. And when you have to live up to it, you will either reach the pinnacle and the peak of like the maximum of your potential or you'll fail. And if you fail, people are going to say, oh, don't you remember John River? That guy, he was supposed to be the next big thing. He was a Len Bias, a Lenny Cook. You know what I mean? He was supposed to be the next big thing. Sean May, you know what I mean? We could go on and on and on, but they were supposed to be the next big thing. I guess it never panned out. Or you used to be. Or yeah, remember what happened? You'll live in that forever. That'll be the rest of your life. You'll be the guy who almost did, but didn't quite have enough. Or he would have been, except none of that matters. Nobody gives it. You get it or you don't. Like, it's kill or be killed. Like, you get it or you don't. And at this point, there's up or there's down, and you got to choose. It's the best or nothing. And if you don't reach the best, and you have to see anything under that as a failure. Other people may have different expectations for you, but they, you only come here to be the best, like to be the best, to like go through everything and be the absolute best. And once you start getting that recognition, you can't get scared. You can't let the pressure deter you. You have to understand that this is exactly what you wanted and it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough, but you need to go out and you need to kill. And there'll be a lot of pressure. And the further you get up, the more incredulous people are going to think that you could take that next step and the next step, but you have to go out and do it. And you have to be a monster, relentless. And at this point, that's it. You got to think to yourself, am I going to be that guy or am I going to be the guy that never was, the best that never was? And once you make that decision, you go. And it, like, get rich or die trying is no joke. It is like the realest thing ever. Like, you get rich or you die trying. You get on or, or the rest of your life is irrelevant. I don't, like, there's no average, like, normal life for me at this point. 
And what I mean by that is like, I'd rather be dead than not be that nigga, you know, and not be that guy. I'd rather be dead than not be that guy. So to me, there is no not being that guy. If I'm not being that guy, I might as well be dead anyways. You understand what I'm saying? So once that, once your mentality is the point where like, it's the best or nothing, everything else is irrelevant and nothing else matters. So I think that just gives you a different focus than the guy standing next to you because that guy's okay with $50,000 a year. And then the guy next up from him is okay with $100,000 a year and like having sex with mad girls. And the guy next to him is just like, all right, well, once I get my Porsche, I'm straight. And the guy next to him is like, well, I want to donate a million dollars to charity, then I'm straight. And they all have something that, for me, that doesn't, like, it's just the best. And when they all stop is when you keep growing. And you got to get there. And I'm blessed. We're blessed. We got Drake, you know. We're blessed to see somebody that relentless. And that's all it is. It's, it's a monster. Like, it's an absolute monster. Somebody's trying to kill. Tory Lanez is trying to kill, too. You can see it in his eyes. You can hear it when he talks. He's trying to kill. He's trying to be that guy. So, you know, I saw him at the MMVAs, and we chopped it up for a little bit. But, and we said, yo, I listened to that song however many times. It's, it's amazing uh, regarding Hope City, too. And I said, I appreciate it. But when I see him, I, I know. Like, I, I rate him. I respect him. But he's trying to kill. That spot Drake has right now, he wants it. I want that spot as well. So I can respect him highly because, you know what I mean, um, he's, re- he's relentless as well. So certain people, are like, they're just killers. Like, they want it more than everybody else. And you know that's somebody who is putting in the hours every day. And every day you take a day off that they're not. I mean, so it's just that different mentality. But kill or be killed, like, a thousand percent. In one of your songs, On and On, you say, they say the world's only testing me. What do you mean by this? I think a lot of trials and tribulations that you have come down from the fact that, you know, they say it's in God's plan or what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Or if it doesn't break you or whatever the case may be, it'll make you and stuff like that. The world is really set on anything that doesn't destroy you completely was only there by a greater force to make you, you know, stronger and stuff like that. Part of you think it's all bullshit, you know what I mean? But for me, I think the world's only testing me. You call it rap, I call it destiny. It's just understanding that there are no obstacles. What I mean by that is that, like, there are none. When you really get to that point where, like, you're going to get it regardless, like, it doesn't matter. Like, nothing matters. You're going to get it regardless. There are no obstacles. Because you got to think about it. Like, let's say your car breaks down. Say you're driving... 15 kilometers away and you're 10 kilometers there and your car breaks down. For a lot of people, that was an obstacle in your day. The fact that you see it as a problem is a problem. That's the whole point. It's only an obstacle if you think walking 10 kilometers is a problem. Because if walking 10 kilometers is not a problem, then your car breaking down is not an obstacle. So you call CAA and whatever and then you walk. Simple. I mean, I think somebody took my ID and my bank card last night, and for a second I was like, fuck, shit. I was like, no, it's not an issue. Tomorrow morning I'll go get a new one. Problem solved. There's no, like, there's no obstacles. Um, your mixtape takes a long time to get mixed. It's not an obstacle. I just need to get it done. And the moment you see things as a problem is when they are a problem. The will and determine, like, the determination will... will will really mean that, like, you just don't see obstacles. And people think, like, people say, like, you know, John, you're resilient or you're able to overcome obstacles. They don't understand, like, it's way past that now. There are no problems. 
Like there are no problems. Somebody can't make okay, that's not an issue. I'll go the extra forty miles, I'll drive there, drive back, or like, you know, you can't fly I'll take a fourteen hour bus on a Saturday to go get my project mixed, then come back Sunday, fourteen hours, which happened like two weeks ago. There is no issue. But the, like that's what needs what do I need to get the mixtape done? That's what I need. okay, cool. Monday I have my mixtape. You know what I mean? You had it scheduled for me to fly and get it done by Wednesday, I got a day two two days earlier. I mean there, there are no obstacles. You know, if you so choose. If you choose to, to see things like that, there are no issues. There are no obstacles. And I think that's what that, you know, generally attests to. The backup plan is one I like a lot, especially the chorus. Even though I think my life might suck, everybody said I did the right stuff. Mm-hmm. There's almost two paths, right? You can go down the traditional route. Everybody does the same thing. You're supposed to go to school. You get a nine-to-five. You get married. You, you have this life. Or you, you do the opposite, and you pursue something completely radical outside of what everyone expects to be the traditional format of success. The backup plan is going to give me a lot of trouble with a lot of people, <laughs> especially mostly my mom. Um, I think telling you, you got to go to school, you got to go to work, you got to get a job, regardless of like how it applies to you specifically, is like the most ridiculous thing ever. So for me, even you know when I was dropping out of high school, a lot of people were like, how could you, how could you think... Like, you're so smart. How could you not finish? Like, how could you, you know what I mean? You're letting, like, like, a let Nas down. You know what I mean? But the reality is, it's like, look at your life and look at what you want to do. Then look at the prerequisites for it and then go and get those. You mean, so, if you want to be the biggest rapper in the world and the prerequisite for that was, like, dropping three successful mixtapes and the prerequisite for that was touring the world, go and do that. Then what, what the prerequisite for touring is a booking agent and stuff like that, right? Then go get a booking agent. And the prerequisite for a booking agent is having 100,000 views on YouTube, then that's where you start. But let's say 50 Cent, for example, or Jay-Z, right? If those are the biggest rappers in the world, you know, they're multimillionaires or, or, or billionaires, you know, and that's what you want to, to accomplish. And they didn't have to go to high school. And high school is just not a prerequisite. And you just don't need it for what you are trying to do. I think the problem is we put people in a position to go and get something that they may not need. And people are like, well, it's good for a back, but how much is it costing you to get something you don't need? Because when you do, or when you are looking to get into whatever you want to get into, you're paying back student loans for some shit that you didn't even want to fucking do. You just did it because everybody else told you you were supposed to do it. And OSAP will kill you or, or Sally Mae or whatever the case may be for what, whatever that is. You know what I mean? To pay back student loans is ridiculous, and a lot of people only end up doing that because they ended up getting into something that was not a prerequisite for whatever they wanted to do because they didn't have enough time to figure out whatever the hell they wanted to do. And it's just external pressure that forces you. I'm not saying school is bad, and I'm not saying people shouldn't go to school. It's a, it's a, education is a great equalizer. You know, that's, the, that's what puts the African kid who grew up with like two cents a day and the guy who grew up in Beverly Hills in the same room on the same platform. Like That's what the degree does. It's the great equalizer of the world. I think it's extraordinarily important if you are doing something that requires a degree in that field. But to say like Everybody needs to get an education. Everybody needs to get school, go to school and get a degree. It's ridiculous. That's like saying everybody needs a cast, but not everybody's arm is broken. Like If your arm is broken, you need a cast. But if your arm isn't broken, like why would you put a cast on? Well, just in case you break your arm? like That's basically the bull, like, you know what they're telling you. Or like everybody needs to buy a pair of crutches just in case you break your leg. Like We don't do that shit. So when you apply like what... They tell you that 
school is, well, it's a backup. You never know what's going to happen. If we did that in all aspects of our life, think about how ridiculous that would be. Just think about that shit. You know what I mean? Do we have backup wives and backup husbands in case we happen to get divorced? No, we like that. We don't do that shit. You know what I mean? So why do you have something that costs you twenty to thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars, and that money just? represents putting people outside of their means because it makes a lot of people's lives a lot more difficult. And if they had that to put in, they could, they could prosper a lot. People are paying back student loans to like 35, 40. People like Moses Malone just died at 60. You're paying back student loans to what, eight years before you die? is insane. And if you're going to do that, okay, but make sure that you're willing to give up that for something that you wanted to do. And if 50,000 people are in here, you're telling you should do it, like, uh, I'll be the villain who's the one person. They, like, they villainize anybody who lets you know that maybe you should think about it. I mean, so the backup plan isn't even about, like, telling people to drop out. It's just, like, everybody tells you this is what you need to do. Why is it so criminal to raise the thought process that, hey, you might not need to do this, by the way, Let's take a look at Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and what like, and on everybody else, and Richard Branson, and, and Jay Z, and and see where they dropped out at certain things, and what they've been able to do. I mean, so I think it's just ridiculous to be honest. But people are scared. People are scared of a lot of shit. Speaking of that, that brings up uh, a tweet, something that you tweeted one time, saying that not taking risks is the greatest risk of all. Can you build on that? Yeah, I think it's kind of self. Explain to her. a lot of people don't see it that way, but every time you don't take a risk, you're taking a risk. Like, like you're, you're, you're optioning the fact that you may miss one of the greatest moments of your life. So like, oh, I don't want to take a risk. Like, I don't want to ask that girl out at the club. Or I don't want to ask that girl at the bar for her number, but that could have been your wife. Like, you're now risking that you're losing your wife by not taking a risk. You know what I mean? Or you see somebody parked on the side of the road and they have their four-way flashers on. Well, I'm not going to risk it. And like they could be dangerous. But you're also risking, like, you know I mean, that person passing away or something like that. And you would have been able to help them, but you didn't. So, like, even being safe and not taking risk is ridiculous because you are taking a risk by choosing. It's not, you're not not taking a risk. You're making a choice. And there's risk on both sides. You just have to see it that way. But, like... That you have to be somebody who understands what can come from any situation. I mean, so I don't want to get into, I don't want to hop this fence to take the concert. That's risky. Okay. So the risk is you might get arrested for hopping a fence or you might get kicked out. Okay. But what's on the other hand, you may meet an artist that will change your life and you may go on tour with them and, and, and you could be able to provide your whole family. So that's what you're risking giving up. For me, I'd rather risk fucking getting kicked out of. Uh, a, a festival or an event or get arrested for a night then risk an opportunity that could change my life forever. I mean, but you got to see it that way. So, yeah, every time you don't take a risk, you are. You literally are. There is no... Any decision you make involves a risk if you really, really think about it. Whether you consider it safe or not safe, that's just societal like opinions on it. Nothing is safe and nothing is not safe. You know, it's just, it's just a choice and a decision. And the only thing that you consider to be safe comes from, like, your own predicated perception of society. But that's about it. In this case, what I think about is uh, taking a risk by not going the normal route, doing the backup plan, but by giving in to 
doing what everybody expects and taking the backup player out. That is what I see as the greatest risk of all. Is that, is that the message you're trying to get across? Is that, the, is that an appropriate metaphor? That's it on the head. You couldn't have said any better. That's exactly what it is. By going to school, going to work, you're risking that you're missing whatever it was that could have made you happy for the rest of your life. And, and why would you want to risk that? Broken Down is a really special one. You quote Marianne Williamson in the song. You say, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's just, it is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. What speaks to you about this? I think when you get to this point, you know, certain things start scaring you because you see how great you could be. And I think sometimes people want to be great, but they don't want to be like, they don't, they don't really, really want to be that great because with that greatness comes associated responsibility, associated pressure, um, purpose. You can't just be little old you anymore. You know, that comfort is gone. You are not owned by yourself anymore. You now belong to people that you're supposed to lead and represent. And that's your light. So right now, I'm just a little old me. You know, I can do what I want, stuff like that. But sometimes when you reach your true greatness, and as you start getting there, you start to understand that, like, people are now looking up to you. And, like, what was yours may not be yours anymore. You now have the ability to influence and change people. Like, your decisions now hold weight. And that scares the hell out of people because they don't want that responsibility on them. Um, and even if they do, it's still scary because now, you know, what you say and what you do affects so many more people. That didn't ha- You didn't have to worry about that shit before. So sometimes people start to get to a point where they're, f- like, really starting to ascend and, and, and do great things, and it scares the shit out of them because they don't feel like they're responsible or, or they don't know why people would listen to them over anybody else, and they don't want to lead anybody astray. You know what I mean? So... You know, that is the light. The light is like your greatest, the, the maximized potential, you know, that, that you could achieve. But people are scared that maybe they're not cut out for that. You know, why, why is it them? Like, are they really the person that should do that? So for me, it's just factual. You know, it's our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. It's that we are powerful beyond measure. It's true. That is our deepest fear. Our deepest fear is that we can, we can be that guy. And then, then I think our deepest insecurity would probably be that we're not good enough to be that guy. We know we can, but what would be worse than being there and knowing we're not good enough to be there and, and, and ruining the lives of, of so many people, you know, um, or leading people astray. Nobody wants to do that, and they don't even want to find out, so they just prefer not to reach that pinnacle. This song kind of transitions from one side. It's almost two songs, really, mm-hmm. uh, the way it breaks down in between. Uh, and this is a song or a verse that you performed already at your TED Talk, perhaps the best verse you've ever written or, or among them in any case. What provoked that verse? Everything that was going on in Ferguson, Mike Brown getting killed, a lot of people, like, I saw that. A lot of black kids see that as you. It means around the same age. I mean, a lot of black kids saw themselves get killed in Ferguson. You know, a lot of us watched ourselves get shot in Ferguson, in Florida, in the Trayvon Martin situation. You know what I mean? We watched ourselves pass away once and twice and three times and four times. And we started to understand that we wouldn't have been able to do anything different in that situation. And there's nothing scarier than that. So, you know, you kill him, you kill me. Or you you kill Trayvon Martin, you kill me. Because why you killed him is the same reason. Based off the logic why you killed him for no dead in the street, it's the same logic why you kill me dead in the street. I mean, so how would you react to somebody killing you in the middle of a street 
in a democratic society than getting away with it? What would you say? And then that's kind of what comes out next. You know, what would you say if somebody could kill you in the middle of the street and get away with it? Because every time somebody kills Mike Brown or Trayvon Martin, all the lessons know is that our lives have no value. You know, that they like, somebody could kill me tomorrow and depending on where they work and what they look like, they have a good chance. They could kill me in cold blood and they have a good chance of getting away with it. So when you know that like you can get murdered and somebody can get away with it, what depreciation of value does that put on your life as a whole? Like how pointless does that make your life? I mean, people don't think about shit like that, but that's how we see it. Like, all right, so who the fuck am I then? You know what I'm saying? Like, like who who the fuck am I? You mean to tell me like I gotta go be that nigga just so I can't? So if somebody kills me, people will give a fuck. Like, I mean, if I was just myself, just me, like somebody could kill me and we get away with just because of how I look. So what are we then? And when we watch that shit, that's all that says. I mean, so we know everybody's already in jail. We know they already throw a whole bunch of us in jail and stuff like that, but. We watch that shit, it's like, all right, I guess my life has no value in today's society. I mean, somebody gets a fucking painting stolen and it's all over the news. You know what I mean? I'm not saying Mike Brown stuff wasn't all the news, but people get a, 10 years in jail for stealing a painting. A cop kills a black kid in the middle of the street in broad daylight on video and doesn't get convicted. It's exonerated. So, people say, you know, life doesn't worry about material things, but what you're telling us is material things are worth more than our bodies. That's the same reason why kids are killing kids for chains in the street. Because you're telling us that these material things have more worth than us because, you know, you're sending people to jail for 12 years for selling weed, you know what I mean, to fill up prisons that are privatized, but a cop kills a nigga in broad daylight and gets away with it. So what you're saying now is like, weed is more important than a black life or this painting is more important than a black life and the painting is only worth is, is that important because it's worth a lot of money so you're now saying like $100,000 is definitely worth more than a black life how much is like uh, 10 grams of weed like what 100 bucks I mean cut you a deal maybe 80 bucks so if, if you're going to send somebody to jail for 4 years for 80 bucks but a cop gets exonerated for killing a black kid you're now telling me my life is worth less than 80 American dollars and then they wonder why niggas are killing niggas over $100 you know, you understand what I'm saying? But, like, it's directly related from that, you know? So what would you say in that position? Something. And that's what broken down kind of, you know, leads to. I think of something else, something that you tweeted, talking about how every month a new black man makes international news. The problem is he's never alive when it happens. It's a cruel irony, but also a twist of a, a juxtaposition where finally to get some recognition... It takes a loss of life. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, Sean Price. I didn't know who the hell that was. Me, personally. Um, right away, a lot of people told me they didn't know who he was. That happens with death in general. But especially with, you know, we only value commodity. Like, this is a society that values a commodity, and there's no bigger commodity than somebody who's passed away, who's died. Because we'll never be able to reproduce certain things. Same reason why McDonald's sells you a, a, an Angus burger for a limited amount of time is the same reason why people get famous after they die. is because we like to add value to things that we know nobody can own except for us. One of a kind. 
uniqueness. That's what we put value on in our society. And there's nothing more unique than the product of a person that only they could create. And now they're dead and they'll never be able to create anything else again. And now they become important. And that's just kind of the way things go. It's kind of the way things work. We're a commodity-based society. And the less there is of something, you know, the more it's worth. And uh, the less life you have in your body, the more people will care about you. Like if you get, let's say you tomorrow get cancer, you know, um, pray to God that doesn't happen or, or it happens to me. You know what I mean? Pray to God that doesn't happen. But you and I both would be all over the news. People would be talking about how well they knew us. They'd be praying for us. We'd be trending on the Internet. The less life that we have, the more important we'd be to people. And then, you know, if we both died, of course, that'd be the pinnacle of our notoriety. It's fucked up, but it's true. All good stories have a trilogy. We've heard the story of how you came from where you started to putting out the calm and then from the calm and sort of the aftermath of that. But how do we get from there to where the storm happens? From the calm to here has been like a pretty, pretty, pretty large task. And I think a lot of growth and development and understanding, you know, kind of the calm was, I thought it was amazing and I thought it was going to do amazingly well. And it did well, um, and then people just went back to kind of what they were doing. So that was a big point where you kind of look at, okay, look, like, there's an issue here. Because if you think the music is good enough that it should blow, and it hasn't blown, then what other factors are there that are contributing to the fact that the project may not be where you want it to be? You know what I mean? It's a big, big, big chip on your shoulder. It's a huge, big chip on your shoulder. There was already one when I dropped the first project, but this one is now, like, I, like, I'm that good. And, like, I don't really give two shits about, you know, where I'm from, where I'm from. Like, it's, unden- like, all right, it, like, the music, you can't, it will be undeniable to an aspect where it's, like, it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter, like, if you're good enough, you're good enough. So let's go and put in the work and put in the time and fuck everything else, like, Forget all the glitz and the glamour and the bullshit and stuff like that. Like, how good is the, like, quality of the music? Like, if everything else, if you put everything else aside, like, when it really came down to it, like, are you good enough? Like, are, and I don't mean only from a rapping bars standpoint. Like, I'm not talking, like, Papoose or Immortal Technique or anything like that. I mean, like, from a musical song standpoint, like, could you really be one of the best ever? And if you are, then, like, this is the time to come out and to really, you know, prove it. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about John River, go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got more podcasts, more interviews, his Define Impossible story, and, of course, the music. If you enjoyed the show, help us out. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. Follow us on SoundCloud or repost it there. Just search The Come Up Show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Come Up Show, too. Once again, I'm Martin Baum, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 